Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Kristen and I caught an old movie, and I say old, from 2011, uh, a week ago. I was sort of in a mood, and the uh, Diamondbacks had just very disappointed me. And the movie's called Moneyball. Any of you remember it? Great movie. Uh, it's really about the game of baseball and that whole world of, of baseball and how it's developed and changed through the years. It's a lovely film that Brad Pitt uh, produced, so he paid for it. He acted in it. It was a story that he wanted to tell. Now, I love baseball, and I love everything about it, uh, and my wife likes Brad Pitt, so how could we miss? Uh, right? <laughs> so we watched it. It was really good. But it reminded me that, that what that movie's really about is change. It's really about change. Uh, how systems uh, change and how the way things have always been change. It's a story about the people who are a part of that change and who are wholeheartedly resisting change along the way. It's a great story, really. So I was thinking as we watched, uh, people are forever accusing the church of being that way. Kind of out of step. Locked in the past kind of out of tune with what's really going on out there in the real world in which we live. Uh, some say being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. We preachers stand up front. We're housed in the fashions of ages past. Huh? Robes, vestments, stoles. We have stained glass, pipes, beautiful pipes on the organ. The people who come here, I mean, you love your pews, you love big doors and majestic scenery, huh? Crosses, big cross, choirs, the music sung and played here, I know I'm not breaking this news to anyone, it's not exactly top ten stuff. We lean very heavily on an ancient collection of books and hymns and traditions and words. Things like narthex. I invited a stranger to meet me in the narthex afterward. I found them wandering around, wondering where is the narthex and what is a narthex. We sing an offertory, uh, confess our sin. And many have come to know in very real ways the seven last words of the church. You could, some of you, recite them with me. We've never done it that way before. Sometimes our traditionalism, it gets the best of us. We argue over worship styles, music. We split theological hairs. We in the church are good at refusing to change or to adapt. And so we struggle with it, really. 
in our listening sessions, which we held, and almost 100 people had come out to those in total, in our listening sessions, we, I posed a question on which all of us should ponder. We didn't answer it, but asked it. And I hope some of you are still thinking about this. That if indeed reaching more people with this movement of Jesus in the world is our goal, then what are you willing to give up for the sake of someone who's not here yet? That kind of evocative silence is what was heard in the listening sessions, too. Not that we were looking for an answer, but it's something to ponder. If we agree that the movement is, is, is one in which we reach out to others with the love of Jesus and, and that we welcome them to the fold, some things are going to have to change. Some things are going to have to be added to what we do. The hard fact is that some people will answer that question. I'm not willing to change a thing. I like it just the way it is. Unfortunately, I believe it's easier for churches to pick a fight with or ignore the culture of the day in which we live. And a lot of mainline Christian churches, folks, are in decline. Almost all Almost all mainline denominations are in decline, except a couple. Thankfully, the UCC held their own this last year. Just even playing. That's progress. Eventually, many of those denominations are going to die. I've shared before that Mainline Protestant congregations are closing at the rate of, as of last year, closing at the rate of almost 5,000 churches a year are closing up, shutting down. Those churches that are making it, and some are making it, some are really thriving, they have become adept at change. They become quick-change artists, if you will, adapting to people's needs in the community in which they serve. As our daughter has reminded us every so often, even biology reminds us that what's not changing is dead. Change. Mark Twain said something like this, even babies with dirty diapers resist it. (laughs) Until it's taken place. But some things, in fact, don't change. Nor should they change in the church. Things like the core values of our faith. Or our church culture and the ways we vow to treat each other. That shouldn't change. The promises of God don't change. The hope we have in Christ doesn't change. The ways we're inspired by those who've gone before us, the saints who've inspired us in faith, who've shown us the way, who help us to have a life with God, they've led the way. But folks, they led the way by changing 
why we're here. We call them saints. Those who've gone before us that give us the words and they share the love and they bless our lives. And so on this day of saints, we choose to read from the last words in Scripture, the book of Revelation. Lara read it. About our destiny. The home for which we were ultimately made. Heaven. One final change. Hmm? Happens for all of us. When and where that great multitude gathers around the throne of God, they're singing and praising God in all of God's fullness and presence. The book of Revelation says there's so many of them, they just call them multitudes. Can't even count them. That day when God has God's way with the world and there's no more tears and there's no more suffering and there's no more hunger, no more thirst, just springs of living water, tears wiped from our eyes. I want to be part of that number someday. I don't know about you, but I do. Let me tell you a story about a a shy young man who fell in love. And this poor guy, every time he got together with his beloved, he got utterly tongue-tied. And so a friend offered him some advice. His friend said, just memorize some great lines. Express your deep and total admiration. Something like this. When I see your face, time stands still. It's a good line. I tried it at home. Kristen said, forget it. (laughs) Too late for that. (coughs) But... It made sense to this young man. So for weeks, the young man practiced his line. When I see your face, time stands still. When I see your face, time stands still. And finally came this night out with his love, and they went to this romantic restaurant, and the lights were low, and his eyes met her. And he said, When I see your face, time... He'd forgotten the words. So again he tried. He said, Mary, when I, when I see your face, I, I, mean, I mean, he was totally flabbergasted, flustered. He was a mess. And finally, in desperation, he didn't want to miss the moment, the magic of the moment. He blurted out, Mary, your face would stop a clock. Now, of course we laugh. (laughs) We laugh, but there's another part of us that's a little sad when you hear a story like that. Because it reminds us of how we all kind of struggle to put it all together, don't we? Sort of struggle to get it right. After all this time, all these years that we've lived and we've been alive and Practicing our faith. I mean, we're still bumbling and fumbling around life's road. We have the same old bumps and ruts are shaking us up. And the same old places stall us out. And the same old cuts and bruises ding us up. 
And churches say similar things. And if we're honest with ourselves, all this talk and thought about the saints who've gone down the road of faith before us, even any thoughts of saints walking the road beside us, like today, surrounding us in the heavens, cheering us on, they all serve as a reminder that God is not done with us yet. God had His way with our fellow bumblers and stumblers, all these people we remember today. And one day, God will have God's way with you and with me. I can only imagine all those who gather there in the heavens. And I look forward to being one of those in that number when the saints go marching in. Some of those saints changed me. They changed me as surely as they were changed by those who went before them. The Spirit of God had changed these saints and me, making me over in a new way. My faith grew. My priorities changed. Our vision for God's world, our relationships, how we do life. And one day, as St. Paul likes to remind us, we shall all be changed one final time, huh? In the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet, he says, we shall be changed. And heaven will be our destination. There's something about this day that gets to me every time. I feel a little bit of a tear come to mind as I think about the saints, my loved ones my companions and my colleagues, my church family, my relatives, all the beloved of God who are now in a better place. And John's revelation gets even better. John pictures them in robes flowing in white, praise coming out of their mouths, people just like us, made clean, forgiven by Jesus, this great parade around the throne of God. I wouldn't be here today without the vision of a new day that's out there somewhere for me. The completion of Jesus' promises to me in baptism. I wouldn't be here today but for this strong sense that God is still at work on me. I'm so glad to know that. That God's not done with me yet. That I'm at work. I'm, I'm under progress, if you will. And I'm so glad to know that, that God is still making me into a saint. Nor would I be here without the saints who raised me along the way, my Christian family, those who put up with me in Sunday school and confirmation and youth group. God bless them. Those who stood by my side in the tough times of my life so far, and sometimes my poor decisions. The saints who guided me when I was confused or corrected me when I was wrong or forgave me when I made a mistake. The saints who put their arms around me, sometimes even carried me when I felt like giving up. The saints who've been the focus of my love 
and been a glimpse of God's love to me. These are the saints. I think it's good for us to take at least one of God's Sundays every year to pause and to be grateful for the multitude in heaven that you can't possibly name in total. But here's a few. I think of Richard and Jane. I think of Howard and Helen. I remember Selma, Linda, and Arnie, and Pete, and Chuck, and Vance, Marty, and the list goes on and on for me. I hope you are picturing your own saints. Those people who have been part of your lives, in whom you've seen Jesus. I hope your mind is drifting to the difference those saints made in your life. That knowing and loving them, what occurred in you, what changes happened because of them. This is a day we express our gratitude to God for the grace that brought these people into our lives and now gathers them around the heavenly throne. Today is a day we remember there's a place reserved there for you and for me as we name them and claim them today, will you join me in praying that God would use us also to bless the lives of others around us and the world that Christ died to save. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally one God, now and always. Amen.